0: Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin churchorg And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. This morning, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 54. If you have a copy of the Bible, if you have an app on your phone that you like to read the Bible on, you can pull that out. Isaiah chapter 54. And we are in a series called Building with Jesus. And the reason why is uh, as we came into this school year, so back in like, you know, August, September, I just had this impression, this hunch that this was a year for us to, to build. And I, and I know what you're thinking as a church that meets in a school, like, do we have a building right now? Are we? No, we don't have a building. But the Lord has a building for us at some point in the journey. What I'm more concerned about is what is the kingdom of God look, look like inside of your life? What is God building through you? That can be in your in your household, your family, your kids, your grandkids, your your uh, whatever your day job is. I've been telling you guys that you're all in full time ministry. You might also have a job as well. Okay. We're building something with Jesus that He has gifts that He's placed in your life. We talked about that last week. And He wants you to play your part in His body, in His family, in His kingdom. So we're talking about building with Jesus. But I want to talk about something that is maybe on the more, let's just say, the tender side of this conversation. Uh, as a pastor, I get to walk with many of you, not only through the the great times, the celebrations, the the great moments that we celebrate in our lives, but I also get to walk alongside of you in the hard stuff. I want to talk about disappointments. I want to talk about what do we do when life does not go like you planned, or, or when you get into a situation that you can't buy your way out of, you, you can't uh, muscle your way out of, you can't fight your way out of, like you're just kind of cornered by life circumstances and you feel really, really powerless. And if you're really honest with yourself, you're deeply disappointed. I, uh, I have three boys, we, I talk about them all the time, they're all in here, so I, I illustrate using my children and I know they love it, right? But I, I, I watch them play sports. And so we, you know, we do soccer, we do football, we do tennis now. I mean, we're into all kinds of stuff at the Kip household, all right? And what I see a lot of times is, and you remember being a kid and you're like, I'm gonna be the next Michael Jordan, I'm pretty sure, right? You have this optimism, this like, I'm feeling strong, I'm out there playing basketball, right? But then you get in the game, and it doesn't go like you thought. And it turns out you weren't quite Michael Jordan yet, right? You know? And you have those disappointments. And in life, those, comes in, those come in all shapes and sizes, and we're all going to deal with them. Disappointment is real, isn't it? And you may have had dreams. You may have had desires for a relationship or for relationships, and they just haven't worked out like you thought. You, you may have had dreams and desires for certain accomplishments in your life, but it's like it's just, it just hasn't quite happened yet, or it hasn't quite come. Maybe it was with your career, or just personal impact. Like you just thought, gosh, I could really see, I could, de- I could dream, I, could, I desire personal impact, and it's just not happening. Maybe it's with your family, and, and you can be doing really well in one part of your life. You could be killing it in your family life or in, in your work life, but there's another part of your life where you're just like, I'm just so disappointed. Like, it's, it's just been so hard for me. And I think how we deal with this is so important because if you're not careful, you'll turn into Eeyore. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'll go through hard stuff and then in your mind, it creates this sort of like view of the life. It's like, everything is hard. Everything is a letdown. Everything's a disappointment. Everything's discouraging, right? If you've been around someone like that, you're just kind of like, oh Jesus, help me. Give me grace right now, right? And it's actually how we deal with the hard stuff that keeps us from believing this idea that everything is difficult. Everything is disappointing. See, when we're disappointed, we're tempted to doubt God's presence in our lives. You've probably been there before. Like, God, I believe that you're real, but are you really with me? Do you really care? I heard one pastor say it this way. When you're a brand new believer, you, uh, you, you want to you know, step in faith and live in faith, and, and you give $10 to the church, or you $10 to somebody in need, and you turn around, and someone gives you $100, and you get a tenfold return, and you're like, whoa, this works, right? I, I give and God sees and God returns and God, He helps me and He blesses me. And it's like that's the lesson at that moment. You can trust that you can never outgive God, right? But then you get it further along in the Lord and you step it up and you're like, I'm going to give $1,000. And what you might be thinking is if I give $1,000, maybe $10,000 will come back into my life, right? And then what happens is you give $1,000 and you go home and your AC breaks and it costs you $10,000. And it's one of those moments where you're like, God, if this is how you treat your friends, I don't want to know how you treat your enemies. Some kind of moments, right? If you're honest. In the past, we're saying this. He goes, what God did is he's now teaching you a new lesson in your life. It's changed. He's teaching you something else right now. But we can doubt his presence in our lives. The second thing is that we can just deaden our desires for God's goodness. Like when when things get really difficult, then you're like, I just hope for too much. My my desires are too great. I want too much in life. I I, I need to bring the thing down. I need to bring the level down of hope in my heart because it's just too much. And and we we, we begin to deaden the desires of our hearts, the, the good desires that God has placed inside of us. The third thing is that we're tempted to deviate from his path. It's like God takes your life off the script that you had planned for it, and you're like, I kind of want to go off script with God. Like, this doesn't work for me. Following Jesus, what's the point? Because he's not doing what I want him to do. And so we have all these temptations when it comes to disappointment, and in the midst of all of that, I believe the words from Isaiah 54 are so powerful and so helpful, and so I just want to read these together, and this is the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking to the people of Israel, but this is, this is a prophecy that's, that's just, it's bigger than the immediate context that he's speaking into. Here's what he says in verse one. Rejoice, childless one who did not give birth burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the site of your tent. That's a building passage. Let, tent curtain, or let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities." Do not be afraid for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated for you will not be disgraced for you will forget the shame of your youth and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. Indeed, your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of armies and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and wounded in spirit. A wife of one's youth, when she's rejected, says your God, I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I will have compassion on you with everlasting love, says the Lord, your redeemer, for this is like the days of Noah to me when I swore that the water of Noah would never flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this passage from Isaiah and I was just kind of struck with how he describes the people. He calls them childless, desolate, Afraid, humiliated, ashamed, deserted, wounded, and rejected. That's really uplifting, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're here today? He's talking to people who have been through adversity and disappointment. In Isaiah 53, the the part right before this, it is the most beautiful Accurate prophetic messianic passage about Jesus. He's talking all about Jesus, talking about this one who would come, who would be crushed by the Lord, that would purchase us, forgiveness for us. And he goes into Isaiah uh, verse 54, and he starts talking to these people. And the immediate context is, is the people of Israel are coming out of exile. And just imagine, I, I think of the people in, in, in Ukraine right now who are walking back into cities that are completely desolate. They are bombed out. And here's these people who've been through hell, and they're walking back into cities that look like hell, that are bombed out. And, and this is what they get to come home to. And the word of God speaks to them, rejoice, break into song. It's like, what? What do you, do you see what's going on around here? In Galatians chapter 4, Paul talks about this passage. He quotes it, and he talks about two covenants, this old covenant of the law and the new covenant of grace by the, by the Holy Spirit, by the promise of God that Jesus ushers in. And he says this, that we're the children of the promise, that you, you and I, if we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and Messiah, that we're children of the promise, and that this passage, it speaks to us in, in a fresh way. And for a woman at that time period, this Eastern woman, to be barren, this would be to feel useless and powerless, to be ashamed, to be disgraced. It also would be a picture of insecurity. It's like the ones that you thought that were going to care for you in your older age, they're not coming into your life. So this picture of disappointment. And here's the, Maybe the most shocking part is that this is the wife of the Lord, right? This, this is his people. And they're going through, I don't know if you've ever been through a self-made adversity. Have you ever been through a self-made adversity where you, you're kind of like you left the script of God and then all of a sudden life went, Pah! it's kind of their story. It's our story too. And this image is so powerful You see, it's one thing to be single, but it's a whole nother thing when all of your friends start getting married, if you've ever been there before, right? It's one thing to not get the job or the promotion. It's another thing when your friend or your coworker gets the job or the promotion. It's one thing to not be invited, but it's a whole nother thing when all of your friends get invited. It's one thing to feel like your life is, is in the dumps, but it's a whole nother thing when your spouse's life is on the rooftops right now. And it's like this, I can be miserable as long as everyone else is too, <laughs> right? Have you ever been disappointed like that? Where you just like, ah, my heart, it just aches? I should feel happy right now. I should feel all these things. I don't, I'm just so disappointed. Well, these words I believe equip us to deal with disappointment. I just wanna look at what what he talks about in this passage. The the first thing that I want us to see is that disappointment can really be an instrument of deliverance. It's one of the ways that God uses, is one of the many tools in his toolbox that he can use to bring deliverance in our life. And I'll I'll tell you what, what I mean by that. Um, you and I are tempted to measure our lives by all the earthly metrics out there, right? It's sort of ingrained in us, ingrained in our culture, right? We, we have all the metrics that, that we could measure ourselves by and compare ourselves to other people by. And there's something about going through disappointments that is, is powerfully used by God to begin to deliver us from measuring ourselves according to all the ways that we could measure ourselves, It's also an instrument used by God to deliver us from pride, from from feeling like we are Michael Jordan. I am Michael Jordan. I'm the one who made it all happen. And disappointment is one of the ways that God delivers us from that. It, It can be a way that God delivers us from idolatry, of just exalting things in our lives that are not God. They're good things, but they're not God things. It's it's putting something, it's having a a love that's out of order and to love it more than you really love the Father. And there's a way that God uses the, the disappointments and adversities to actually kind of push those over in our lives. The last thing that I think is important to understand, and this is maybe the most important thing to understand, is that disappointment is God's tool to deliver us from religion. And what I mean by that is, that there's a a mentality that says, if I do A and B, God will do C every time. If I read my Bible every day and I pray, surely God will do this for me in my life. And what happens is that we start to think that we have all the control. I've figured it out. I know the formula. You could write books about that. You could sell millions of copies of books because you think you crack the code. But God isn't after a formulaic relationship with you. He's after your heart. And God will use disappointments in our life to actually deliver us from religion. And here's the best part. He's delivering us into intimacy with him. He wants your heart. He delivers us from those things into a wholehearted faith because only the hard stuff of life, the disappointments, the the adversities have a way of getting at the depths of your heart to bring it into the light of Jesus. It's a gift to you. Um, I was thinking about, all of the marketing that we have around us, all these commercials and products and things. And the, the message is essentially this, like don't be disappointed anymore. Like we're, we've got the thing to help you get out of whatever disappointments you're facing in life. But here's the thing is that God, he doesn't deliver us from disappointments, he actually delivers us through them. Um, I remember when we first started our church, we, uh, we um, planted in, in uh, January of 2019. We got a full year in. And then this little thing called coronavirus started being like talked about. And then by spring break of 2020, y'all remember, it was the spring break that never ended, right? It was a crazy time. And I remember I was on the phone with a friend, or I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine, and I was just talking about the difficulties of that season. And I was wanting some compassion, right? It's like, oh, bro, I'm so sorry. That sounds terrible. And here's, here's what he wrote back. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. To which I was said, thanks for nothing, right? <laughs> that is not encouraging. Consider it pure joy. But here's the thing, is when we go through the hard stuff of life, the disappointments, what God is doing is he's building you. Jesus is building you. He's doing something in you, and it's a process, right? Let endurance have its full effect that you may be mature. Jesus is building you. It's an instrument of his deliverance in our lives. The second thing, and this is what I love about what Isaiah says, is he calls them to worship. He says to them, rejoice, burst into song, and shout. And and here's, here's how I'm stating this. Find the song above your circumstances the second thing. Find the song above your circumstances. I, I was reading some studies about singing because, you know, we, we do singing in church and group singing in church. And I, uh, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago and there's a, a woman by the name of Jo Hargraves that was there. Amazing. She's a, a therapist, counselor, pastor's wife. Amazing. But she made this statement. She said, science is always catching up to scripture. I was like, Oh, so science is always catching up to scripture. And, and I, I was just looking at studies, scientific studies about singing. Here's what we learned about singing. Singing lowers cortisol and it re- re- relieves stress and tension. So there's, there's endorphins and oxytocin that are released in the brain, which in turn lowers our stress and our anxiety levels by singing. Did you know that? That you can lower your stress by singing? That oxytocin enhances feelings of trust and bonding, which also explains the reports that singing improves depression and feelings of anxiety. It's just a general sense of well-being comes into your body by singing. I mean, God created you to sing. And it's not just for, for him to hear great songs of worship. It's actually, it's a gift to you. It boost confidence, that endorphins that are released give a positive feeling in your body, that it's a mindful activity. And, and a lot of times, our brains are so full of so much stuff, and especially when you're going through hard things and you're like consumed with anxious thoughts, that singing is this mindful activity that it, you know we, we have so many processes at work in our bodies when we sing that it actually narrows your focus of your mind onto one thing. It's amazing. It improves social bonding and cohesion. Its Research has shown that group singing is an excellent icebreaker and has even shown to synchronize the heartbeats of those people singing together. Did you know that? That people singing in a group, that their hearts begin to beat at the same physical pace. That's amazing. Singing together creates a strong sense of community and social inclusion. Singing with others enhances the possibilities of empathic relationships and generates a positive group identity. Now, these are all scientists studying groups of people making these uh, conclusions. It it increases self-efficacy, if I can see that right. Research with the Choir With No Name, a homeless charity, found that 60% of participants in a singing group went on to volunteer, get a job, or move into more stable accommodations just by singing together. That's insane. It, It provides an unthreatening way to express emotions. There are lots of unhealthy ways to express our emotions, right? But sometimes you need to get in your car and turn it up and just jam, right? and put on some worship music and jam with Jesus. Did you know that singing has been found to strengthen immune systems? That immediately after singing, singers have higher levels of the protein immunoglobin A? I don't know what that is. An antibody known to benefit the immune function of the mucous membranes and high levels of stress and depression have been found to impact negatively upon your immune system. Meaning, when you sing, it actually improves your health. It improves your breathing. It's an aerobic activity. It stimulates this thing called the vagus nerve. It's the longest cranial nerve in the body, a key part of the parasympathetic nervous system, which influences breathing, digestion, and heart rate, among other things. A 2010 study showed that the more you increase your vagal tone, the more your physical and mental health improve, and the faster you can relax after stress by singing, by worshiping. Studies conducted with people suffering from chronic pain uh, showed that singing uh, improved pain symptoms and alleviated pain. People took less medicine when they were singing. That's amazing. And here we have the Bible, 2,800 or something years ago, saying to people going through hard stuff, rejoice, burst into song and shout, sing. Sing. Find the song that's above your circumstances. You know, worship is so important for us in the body of Christ. And some of you have puzzled over singing. You're like, I get the whole like living my life as a living sacrifice and I should obey Jesus and that's worship. But like singing, really? Like that's not me. I'm not a musical person. I just want you to know that there's something about singing that actually helps you as a person, I was um, reminded of Hebrews thirteen verse fifteen, where uh, the writer says, "Therefore, through her, through Him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that confess His name." I uh, listened to a podcast this week by Rita Springer. Have y'all heard of R- R- Rita Springer before? She's a, a worship artist. She's written songs you probably know and love amazing uh, artist, and she was talking about walking through disappointments in her life. She, um, she's a woman who's in her mid-50s now, and she is still single. She's wanted to be married her entire adult life, and she's still single. On top of that, she wanted to have children of her own. And she has, she said, I have a box full of journals that I don't know what to do with because they had the names or, or images of children that I thought I was going to have. And I was dreaming with God about the family that I was going to have. And he goes, That's, those are boxes of questions that I don't have answers for. And she goes, I was asking God, like, what do I do with all this? What, 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 what do I do with all these disappointments in my life? And the Lord pointed her to this passage. And she's like, what? Sing, barren woman. And his point was this He said, look, no, it's in the passage. Like, you need to find the song that's above your circumstances. Worship has a way of right sizing the difficult things in our life. When we can remind ourselves of who God is and what he said, what he's done, what he's like, we can actually begin to get above those things and look down on them and be like, okay, okay, this is hard, but I'm going to be okay. Amen. Finding the song above your circumstances. Third thing, he tells them, prepare according to God's promise and not according to your present circumstance. Right? Not, not your present predicament. Like, don't, don't focus on that. I, I heard one pastor say this. I, I've stopped telling God about my problems and I've started telling my problems about my God. Right? Like, I'm so tired of saying, like, oh, God, this problem, this problem, this problem. It's like, he's, I, I just turned it around. It's like, okay, my God is faithful. I'm going to tell my problems about the faithfulness of my God. My God is my provider. I'm going to tell my problems about the the provision of my God. He's, He's spinning it around because he wants to live according to God's promise and not according to the present predicament. Here's how he tells these people. He says to them, these people that feel weak and small, who've come out of exile, who've been humiliated for like hundreds of years, enslaved, forced to do things that they don't want to do. He says to them, Enlarge the side of your tent. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit desolate cities. I mean, just think about hearing that when you're coming out of that situation in the midst of adversity and disappointment. The message uh, translation says it this way, clear lots of ground for your tents, make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent bags deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family, barren woman. Wow. He's telling them, look, get ready. Make preparations. You can't see it now, but God is faithful. He's going to make the children that come from you so numerous. You're going to need more room. And here's how we think, right? God, when you bring all those kids, we'll add on, right? We had another child, sweet. We we got to find a house that has another bedroom, because we don't know how we're going to fit in this house. right? That's how we think. We're like, God, when you bring it, we'll prepare for it. And what he's saying here is, prepare for it before I bring it. Does that make sense? I, I, I want you to live in faith according to my promises and not to what you can see. Paul said it this way, we walk by faith and not by sight. And he calls them to be people who will actually bank so much on his promises that they will begin to prepare according to them and not according to what they see with their eyes. He calls them to faith. And he, in verse nine, he says, "This will be like the days of Noah to me." Do you remember the story of Noah? There's a country song called "Noah Built a Boat." Have you all heard the song? I love country music. Okay, I'm just going to say that right now. The rodeo's coming. I'm pretty excited about that. It's country. I'm. I might leave pastoring to become a country music star. It could happen. Okay, <laughs> that's one of my dreams and desires. I'm still hanging on to that one. Right? I could be the next George Strait. I'm just. I'm calling it now. Okay because I'm preparing according to the promise, right? Not to what I can currently see. I love country music. Noah built a boat. And he he talks about this idea of Noah. You know, Noah, it says in the Bible that when God called Noah to build a boat, rain had not come on the earth yet. He's preparing for something that no one's ever seen before. Literally, no one's ever seen it. He says, no, it's gonna rain, people are like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, it's, it's never rained, literally never rained before. What do you mean it's gonna rain? God said it's gonna rain. And he told me to build a boat. And it's so interesting that he draws on this image of Noah who was a man who literally had to prepare according to God's word and not according to anything that he could see at that moment. In fact, he was, he was not preparing according to anything that anyone had ever seen before. But he had the word of the Lord. And the thing is, when you and I do stuff like that, we start to look foolish, don't we? Do you like looking foolish? No. No one likes looking foolish. No one, Noah, did not like being ridiculed and made fun of at all the like local gatherings, right? And yet, he built according to God's Word, and here's the cool thing you only look foolish until the flood comes. You only look foolish until the flood comes. He calls them to prepare according to his promise. I don't know what that will look like in your life. Some of you may have a sense of like God has given me a, 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 a direction. He's, he's spoken to me about things that are gonna happen to my life. He's, he's confirmed that word. People have told me like, we really think God's gonna do this in your life. And maybe you have some promises in your mind, but if you're honest, where you are today is so far from what you think God's going to do or what you believe in your heart, he's spoken to you about. And they just feel like Noah building a boat when it's never rained before. And what I wanna say to you is this, Start building the boat, okay? Prepare according to God's promises. You'll be so happy you did when the flood comes. So let me close. When we are disappointed, we're tempted to doubt his presence, to deaden our desires, or to deviate from his path. And here's the thing, what if disappointments in your life are God's divine appointments to enlarge and deepen your worship and your trust in him. Maybe the first thing that needs to be stretched out and and dug deep is not just, you know, some tent, but it's literally the tabernacle of your soul. And that God's using the difficulty, the adversity, the disappointment to just get you up above and say, no, no, I need to teach you something else now. Like yesterday's lesson was yesterday's lesson, but I have something for you today. I had a friend of mine who, um, he was uh, about to be engaged. He had uh, served the Lord. He was a follower of Jesus. He Played on my worship team. He was sold out for the Lord. He was an amazing young man. And um, he had met a girl through our church, kind of like the the one weekend. I know there were some like girl, boy, phone conversations. We're going to be talking about that later with some of you guys after the fact. No, I'm just kidding. But he'd met a girl at the church and they had done it right and they were in submission to their leaders of the church. It was beautiful. But the only problem was this young man came from a very controlling family. The the father especially was very, very controlling. And whenever he went to his dad and said, "Uh, I want to get engaged to this girl. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. He basically said, uh, you're crazy, don't ever do that. And, like, I forbid you to ever see her again. And my friend, he talked to his pastor, he talked to all of his friends, he talked to, you know, other godly people in his life. And all of them are saying, No, like, we actually think your dad's wrong. Like, he's just trying to control you, okay? And my friend decided with the blessing of the girl's father to get engaged. And his parents disowned him, disowned him, kicked him out of the family, treated him like he was not their child anymore. So crazy, so bizarre. And my pastor met with him and I'll never forget what he said to him when his world was just literally just blown apart. He said this, life is big, God is big. Right now, all you can see is this disappointment, this hardship, this adversity, but I want you to remember that life is so big and your God is so big and you're just gonna have to get above this problem right here. And so if you're here today and you've been walking through disappointments, maybe your life has not gone like you thought, I have a word from God for you, it's this. God is big. Think big. Find a song above your circumstances and begin to prepare according to his promise and not to what you can see with your eyes right now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't deviate from the path. Don't deaden your desires for his goodness in your life. I just want you to dig in a little bit deeper because God might just try to be enlarge your faith, enlarge your trust, and he wants to deepen the tent pegs down into your soul so that you can know that you know that you know that God is not just some God out there far away but he's a God that knows you personally and he has a plan for you and he loves you so much. But don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Rejoice. Burst into song and shout. Get ready. Prepare according to the promise of God because he says to you over all history and time by his spirit right now, he says to you, trust me. Trust me. I just want to remind you this. When God planned how he would redeem you, how he would build his kingdom, how he would stretch out his tent pegs, right? As he would prepare for his family, these children that were going to be the children of the promise. When, when God was determining how he was going to bring all that about, of all the ways that he could have done it, here's the way he chose. I'm going to send my son to a cross. And he's going to face this the deepest disappointment, adversity, difficulty, suffering that has ever been known by humanity. And I just wanna remind you, if you're going through disappointment, if you're going through suffering, I want you to remember that Jesus suffered before you ever suffered. That he suffered more and that he knows how to comfort you in the midst of your suffering. And that no matter what, over every disappointment, is written this. He says this in verse 10 Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. So, friends, don't doubt, don't deviate, don't deaden. Trust the Lord follow him Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon podcast To support our work you can like share subscribe or you can donate at rin-church.org